Welcome to Investment Uncut. In Investment Uncut, we cut through the noise when it comes to investing. We're digging deeper to try and bring clarity to your investment decisions. I'm Dan Mikulskis. And I'm Mary Spencer. Investment Uncut is brought to you by the investment team at LCP. LCP provide investment advice to some of the largest institutional investors in the UK, including pension funds, wealth managers and sovereign funds. Find out more at lcp.uk.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Investment Uncut with Mary and Dan. And it is Pride Month this month. So we wanted to have a really good conversation about what it's like to be gay in the city. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by two LCP colleagues for that conversation. Firstly, we have Jess Horner, a consultant at LCP and a co-chair of our LGBTQ plus network. And Jess's pronouns are she, her. Jess, welcome. Hi. And secondly, we've got Luke Hothersall. Luke's a partner at LCP and is on our LGBT network committee. Uh, Luke's pronouns are he, him. Hi, Luke. Hello. Welcome, Luke. Welcome, Jess. Before we get kicked off in the main sort of topic of discussion, could you just give the listeners a very high level overview of your roles at LCP and I guess particularly the roles that you have on the LGBT plus network? So maybe we'll start with Jess. Yeah, no problem, Mary. So my day job is advising companies and trustees on managing their pension scheme liabilities. And I work in particular with the de-risking department, so advising on buy-ins and buy-outs. And then what we like to call our gay job is being co-chair <laughs> of the LGBT plus network. And I also sit on the committee of OPEN, which is the pensions industry network. Fantastic. And Luke? Thanks. And um, so spend most of my days advising charities and not-for-profits on pensions strategy. And then other than that, support Jess and the other co-chairs with running the LGBT plus network. Fantastic. We'll hear lots more about what the network's up to during the course of this discussion. To get us started, we ask all our guests this, but we'd love to hear one thing we should know about each of you that we wouldn't find on your CV or LinkedIn profile. Maybe Jess first. So I used to play rugby and I'm a qualified rugby coach and referee. Nice. Cool. Wow. I suppose there hasn't been much rugby to ref recently, has there? It's only just started again. Yeah, there's not a lot going on. haven't done it for a while, but I'm looking forward to everything kicking off again. Nice. And do you still play and referee in normal time? I don't play at the moment, no. I've stopped. Okay. And presumably not at the same time either. I've heard playing and refing at the same time. A bit of an advantage, maybe. Yeah, I'm adamant I'm not biased, but I think the opposition might have something to say about that. Indeed. Luke, how about you? Well, mine's far less impressive, but I have become a bit of a lockdown runner. I've managed to up my distance from about 5k at a push to about 25k. Nice. So yeah, it's been my lockdown hobby. And how often do you go running? Well, less now that gyms are open again, but I was probably going three or four times a week. That's impressive. That's a lot of kilometres under your belt, isn't it? Well, it's definitely. I've been through a fair few pairs of shoes over the past year. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, as Dan said right at the start, it's Pride Month this month. We're about halfway through the month. And I guess just to kick us off, maybe we could just hear from you on what Pride Month means to you. And Luke, maybe you could go first. I think that's quite a hard question. I suspect every single person you ask will give a slightly different answer. I think for me, the most important thing and the thing which I feel the most is the value of the visibility it brings. I know there's lots of sort of comments about how lots of companies jump on the bandwagon with pride and things, but I absolutely love it. It makes me smile every time I walk into a shop and see a little rainbow flag. I just think that makes the world of difference. It just makes me feel happy whenever I see it. So I think that's what Pride Month means to me, is literally feeling proud. <laughs> what a beautiful answer. What about you, Jess? 
Yeah, I definitely echo Luke, just scrolling through places like LinkedIn to see all the company logos being rainbow. Just It makes you feel like you're the norm as opposed to being the other and the minority for once. And people feel more comfortable to talk. People feel more comfortable to address the situations and conversations. And it feels safer to be out and to be active and kind of displaying the fact that you're out. Just little things like being able to hold hands down the street when every shop's got a rainbow flag in the window it feels like that's okay. And I guess just in terms of almost the evolution of Pride Month in terms of, so that's how you feel today in Pride Month in 2021. How have you seen the sort of reaction to Pride Month change over the years? Has it been quite a big change? Has it been quite a quick change in recent years? Or is this something that you sort of has felt like it's been around for a long time for you? I mean, the very first Pride was a riot and it was followed by the Stonewall Inn riots and led by black and trans men and women. And it's definitely developed from being a riot to being a protest to being a celebration. And I mean, the whole time I've been out and participating in Pride, it's always been a celebration. I'd say the difference we've seen is that more companies are getting on board and it is becoming a little bit more corporate. And I think lots of people are anti that and don't necessarily think that that's a positive thing but as Luke says it's really nice to see and if companies are going to things like pride and supporting pride then they must be having conversations internally about it which can only be a good thing. I think so I grew up in London so pride has sort of always been there in the background as this big celebration going on there are of course other prides but London is by far and away the biggest I understand in the UK so it's always sort of been there um, I think pride is changing and always evolving as Jess said and I think there's certainly an element of going back towards more of an element of protest and wanting more change so Jess and I have sort of discussed before that almost as the L and G part of LGBT plus to some extent we enjoy lots of privileges that the other parts of the LGBT plus community don't and I think there's a bit more of a feeling of responsibility now that we owe it to the rest of the letters to, <laughs> to demand <laughs> equality for them as well. Yeah that's a really good point Luke. There's also we have the privilege of being white as well as being gay and there's been lots of controversy around race within the LGBT plus community so yeah I think it is kind of becoming more of a protest. That's really fascinating to see your take on how that movement is evolving. But it sounds like from what you're saying, is it fair to say you think it's been broadly effective in terms of improving attitudes or awareness? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think you look at sort of how things have changed even over the past decade since marriage equality came in, just attitudes are entirely different. It's entirely normal to be a gay person most of the time is how I experience it now, which hasn't always been the case. And perhaps, Luke, if you're comfortable, would you be able to, I guess, give us an insight into, doesn't have to be a specific experience, but I suppose just in the context of, I suppose, the idea of bringing your whole self to work. So if being gay is a normal thing, then you can be openly gay at work and that's not a problem and it doesn't infringe on your working life and that sort of thing. I suppose in your lifetime, there must have been times where that didn't feel quite so comfortable. Are you happy to talk a bit about that? Yeah, of course. I think there's probably two separate things there so there's that concept of bringing your whole self to work which I actually really don't like that as a phrase because there are definitely some parts of myself that I don't want to 
bring to work like I'm always really bad at doing the washing up and I don't want to bring a slightly <laughs> yeah. last minute approach to my work necessarily <laughs> but the importance of I guess being able to be yourself and be able to talk about the things which other people take for granted when they talk about so talking about your partner and not having any fear in talking about that that is really important in terms of just getting the most out of work because if you're constantly in threat mode worrying about what people are going to think if they find out who you really are it's just blindingly obvious that you've got less mental space to deliver great work which is why we're all there I think in terms of my own experience so definitely at the start of my career there were I worked at a place where there were just no visible role models. So I was quite obviously not the only gay man in the organisation. It was far too big for that to be likely. But there were no visible role models and that left me feeling, well, is it okay to talk about this or not? And I think sort of as you become more senior, it becomes easier to talk about it because you've almost got more weight in your opinion. But definitely starting out my career, it felt like it would have been quite bold to openly say that I was a gay man. It definitely wouldn't have felt natural without the visibility and role models there. And I suppose now that you are a senior gay man, if we have junior gay men or women or associated with any other gender, I suppose, they will see that role model in you. That means it is okay to be sort of more open about it, which is fantastic. That's the hope. (laughs) That's the hope indeed. (laughs) And Jess, how about you? What's your experience been in that sense? I mean, I'm slightly younger than Luke, so got to kind of join work in probably a period where it was more acceptable. So as soon as I joined LCP, I was out and you don't join on the first day and say, hi, I'm Jess and I'm a queer woman. But when you start to develop relationships and you start having conversations about what you're doing at the weekend, I was never scared of saying, oh, I'm doing this with my girlfriend. So yeah, I was always comfortable being out. I guess for me, when I joined, there wasn't an LGBT plus network. So when that launched a couple of years into being here, it was brilliant. It was really nice to just kind of see that there are others and other people fighting for LGBT plus rights. And it just became more normalized that I wasn't the only one. I remember the launch of our LGBT plus network, which was a fantastic evening. But also, I mean, a bit like your reflections on Pride Month, it just felt like a celebration. It was just so lovely to be in a scenario where everyone was very open and very honest about who they were and how they felt but actually we were celebrating our differences which felt amazing yeah a hundred percent there were definitely more lgbt plus people at lcp than i realized having not really got to meet very many people considering how junior i was so actually the network just meant that there was a kind of network of people that i could talk to should i ever want to but also role models they were all more senior than me and and how do you feel about sort of role models and networks in the industry more broadly when I say the industry, I mean sort of very broad financial services, consulting, kind of professional services type industry. Where do you think we are with that? Well, there's a couple of things going on. So we've got Open, which is the pensions um, industry network, which launched over the last year. We've lo- had three events now, and they're just basic social networking events. But it just means that you can build a network and you can kind of build a community of support should you ever need it. But also it's just seeing people like yourselves makes you happy that's the fun thing about pride you walk around the streets and everyone looks like you and you're not the only person and it just makes you feel more confident so I think that's been a really brilliant addition for the pensions industry for the investment and savings industry LGBT great has been doing really brilliant things in particular their project 1000 
looks to highlight allies and role models. And I think the amount of people that are signing up for that shows that there's clear support across the industry for LGBT plus people. And we're wanting to do better and we're wanting to increase diversity. So I think from the seven years I've been in the industry, it's been massive, a massive change. I think for me, those kind of industry networks are really powerful in showing that, I guess, collectively, the LGBT plus community has a voice. I think it can feel quite isolating if you're sort of just a lone LGBT plus person looking around thinking there's no one else here. And then you have a network within a firm and you think, oh, there actually are people like me here. Isn't this great? And then you look around and go, actually, there are people like me at every single firm. It just makes you feel part of something in a really good way. A lot of what you were just talking about there, Jess, especially was about connection and networking and meeting people. You, know, you talked about pride going out on the streets and that sort of stuff. And obviously the last year that hasn't been possible. So that meeting has obviously been different. How's that been? Has that put the brakes on things, made it harder in some ways? No, surprisingly, it's made everything better. I was talking to Luke about this earlier. I don't know whether the Black Lives Matters protests were the accelerant to start talking or whether it was to do with the pandemic and people being at home, possibly having more time on their hands because there's less face-to-face meeting. But particularly internally, we've seen so much more engagement than what we've seen in previous years. We've had people joining virtual meetings that we never have got in the room before. And the conversations happening across the firm are just on another level. And I think we've seen something similar with Open as well. We thought after our first launch that nobody would want to do another virtual social two, three months later. But actually, Take Up was brilliant and everyone was just so excited to be doing something that was LGBT plus specific. I was just going to come back to the Open thing because I was involved in one of the events and was, I guess, chairing a session on imposter syndrome, which we've touched on briefly in the podcast before. And the thing I sort of almost didn't have the confidence to say, which I guess surprised me a little bit is, so I was presenting there as heterosexual, identifies as female, and I was the one in the minority. And I didn't feel the confidence to highlight to everyone that I was that minority. I did say at the start, but I didn't say, and therefore I am in the minority. And it was a really almost eye-opening experience to me, to the internal feelings, as in the conversation was the conversation and it was a great chat and lots of engagement and that sort of thing. But how I felt coming to that meeting, knowing I was probably the only person that associates exactly how I associate, was actually really interesting. I don't know how we recreate that feeling for the masses, if you like, because I think it probably taught me quite a lot about myself and about how others feel, particularly? I think that that's naturally happening quite a lot more. Like, I think it's awesome that we're even having this conversation. I think there is sort of, when you think about it, again, 10 years ago, this conversation wouldn't have been happening. And I think we're all getting a bit more used to feeling a bit uncomfortable and approaching it with curiosity rather than almost wanting to push it away so I almost think anyone listening to this right right now probably (laughs) has a bit of that feeling and that's a really good thing I find that fascinating and I think it changes things for the better absolutely should we talk a bit about I guess examples of good progress so I guess we've talked a little bit about internal networks and sort of industry level networks what other sort of areas of good progress have you seen in recent years or recent months even the thing that keeps on making me smile is just the increasing frequency with which I see pronouns in email signatures. That makes yeah, me really, really happy. It took me quite a lot to do that. I was quite late to the 
party with that one. I it remember you imposing it. It. <laughs> <laughs> it. Took me a while to get it, and now I do, and I'm fully on board. <laughs> and let's just unpack that actually, Luke, for the listeners, because I'm probably a bit a little bit slow in getting that one as well. But just step us through why that matters and why people should think about that. Jess can probably give you the technically correct <laughs> answer. <laughs> for me, putting pronouns in email signatures. There's the obvious gender identity part that you allow someone to assign themselves whatever pronouns they want and you don't prejudge that. But more than that, it's almost showing that you're conscious of how other people might feel in any given situation. So I always take it as just a green light that it's okay to not be a cisgendered heterosexual person. So for me, that's what it means. It's just a green light to be myself. But Jess can probably give you a more technically correct answer. No, I think you nailed that. I'm glad you've come round. <laughs> I think, like, just in addition to that, it's that green light. It's showing that being cis isn't the norm. It doesn't need to be the norm. And for me, it's if somebody, when I first did it, and I don't want to say I was sort of trailblazing this, but I was one of the first people to do it with an LCP. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of people just dropping me a message, giving me a ring to just say, what is that? I don't really like getting asked questions lots. That's not saying I don't want to have the conversation, but it was quite detrimental. And I thought, oh, I don't want to put this in my signature if it's going to be detrimental. So I added a link that explained why. But I guess actually the fact that I was having that conversation as a cis woman meant it didn't really cause me any stress. It didn't really cause me any sort of damage or impact my mental health it was a bit frustrating but that's okay and I should do that as an ally to somebody who is non-binary who realistically is facing barriers on an everyday basis so yeah a bit inconvenient for me at the start but I'm fine so I think it's me being an ally to somebody who uses for example they them pronouns and trying to say look it's okay I'll fight that fight for you. Absolutely fascinating that. Um, I miss I'm late to the party on that. So I'm going to go and change mine on LinkedIn and my email signature straight away after this, having heard that. I would have had no idea, honestly, that it would be so powerful as what you've just said. So you've really opened my eyes to something there. So thank you. Agreed. And I think, yeah, my thinking certainly been evolving because I suppose I probably came to it from a point of complete ignorance, as many people did. And there are some very almost obvious examples where in the UK, there are some names where it's not that clear what gender the person might identify with. And so for that, I think to anyone, no matter how ignorant you are, it's very clear that there's a good reason to have your identity there because you're sick of picking up the phone and someone calling you a he when you're a she and you are cisgender and there's no doubt to anyone who's met you, but they just happen not to have ever met you before. But it's certainly my thinking has now got to the stage of actually it's an ally thing as much as anything for people where you are the thing that people would assume. So my name is Mary, people would assume I identify as female, and I do identify as female. So from that perspective, I don't need to, in inverted commas, but that's missing the point. And I think that's the journey I've been on kind of recently. Yeah, it's completely that. And I've seen some good comments where people are saying, we get annoyed when people misgender our pets. So let's stop gendering people correctly. Good point. So I guess we're clearly on a journey here. I know we've used that word a couple of times today. And we've talked about sort of examples of good progress and the fact that we are sort of taking baby steps. What do you think, what's the next thing? What's the next big thing you're hoping to see or feel or do in this? For me, it's trans and non-binary inclusion. 
I think Luke's already alluded to the fact that they're L and the G, it's okay, things are getting better every day. And yeah, it is a journey. And I guess it's probably worth just confirming, like, I am a queer woman, but I'm still on that journey. I don't always get it right. And I'm very much aware of things I've said in the past where I have got it wrong. So yeah, I think it's all about everybody educating themselves. But for me, trans and non-binary inclusion, I think there's lots of things happening in the media at the moment. There's been a lot of negative press. And I think we've got a long way to go where trans lives can be recognized and non-binary people can have the same rights as cisgender people. Do you think for people who struggle with the concept generally, who will have struggled with the concepts of gay and lesbian in the past, whether they've accepted that or not, do you think for those people, and this might be too difficult a question, that the leap to understand gay and lesbian versus the leap to understand trans and non-binary, do you have a feel for the sort of magnitude of those leaps? Or is that just such a personal thing that it's difficult to answer? I think it's a very different thing who you're attracted to versus what you identify as in and of yourself. And that's a big leap. And I myself have found that quite a big leap. And that's even having trans friends. It's just taken some time to fully get my head around it. I'm still a long way off fully getting my head around it. (laughs) But I think it's, again, just in terms of back to the question of what we do to support, I think it's just engaging that curious brain and going into it with an open mind I think there's a temptation to I guess shy away from it because it is by definition something which feels quite close to you I think we all hold our gender identities are a big part of our identity full stop I don't think there's anyone where that isn't the case I guess to Mary and Dan you're cis and heterosexual have you ever thought about it like have you ever had to it's kind of for I like Luke I don't understand how trans and non-binary people feel and I don't get it. Like I feel fine and I feel neutral. So I guess I'm happy as a cis woman, but I've never really sat down and thought about it. So I guess the question to you, have you ever really sat down and thought about your sexuality and your gender? No, probably not. No, I've never questioned my identity as female. I've never felt a need to question that identity, I suppose. And everyone's on a spectrum. So you get cis women that are, to use, again, horrible inverted commas, very, very girly all the way through to less girly, to be totally stereotypical. And they will identify as slightly different versions of female, I would imagine. And that's part of their overall identity. I have family members who identify as gender fluid and their partner is gender neutral. And that, I think... For my family, it was the first time a lot of people in my family had come across anything sort of like that. This was a number of years ago. So that's led me to think quite a lot about how that might feel. But it's really difficult to put yourself in those shoes when you've never had those sorts of feelings yourself, I suppose, is where I've got to. I completely agree. And I think that's why there's a leap, because we've all thought about who we find attractive, even people that are not attracted to any gender. They've still had to think about that attraction, whereas for the majority, we're not necessarily thinking about whether we feel comfortable being called boy, girl, man, woman. So I think that's where the leap is. And I think that's why people find it difficult to understand. And I'm not saying everybody needs to consider it. It's just, if you find it difficult to understand, that's okay. But accept that that's how somebody else feels. And if you're curious, go and educate yourself. I think 
for me a lot of it is just a willingness to get it wrong as well like I think I put my foot in it all the time because I forget language evolves and changes all the time and I think particularly in the gender identity space we've got lots of new terms which are just coming into sort of general usage that we all have to get used to and understand and I get it wrong all the time but I'm just more than happy for someone I want people to correct me when I inevitably get it wrong and I guess my hope is that everybody else just feels willing to get it wrong and be corrected as well I think that's part of being curious and engaging with it that makes a lot of sense doesn't it because it's hard to imagine how someone else feels it just is but there's a difference in being open to thinking that someone else feels very differently to you do and being sort of somehow closed to that and completely sort of I don't know the fragility around not being able to kind of even be open to another way of, of sort of thinking about it isn't it so it does feel like a leap though that I guess that's the only way we've come up with of conceptualizing it and I suppose these concepts of identity are quite deeply rooted aren't they which is what means it's difficult for us to get our head around it's one of the things that we've been asking ourselves and so as you'll both well know at LCP we have partner champions for all of our DNI diversity and inclusion networks and so just partners who sign up to be attached to the networks and we've been talking to our partner champions about how we can move forward the conversation on all parts of the LGBT plus spectrum but particularly on sort of the gender identity aspects interested here if you've got any thoughts on almost what would help you to I guess not feel more comfortable but just feel more confident in having those conversations and I guess getting to grips with these sorts of things. Yeah so for me what I found helpful is when people like the two of you have done today give really really specific examples of allyship and how you can help because so often they're things that I just would never even have thought of the sort of pronouns is sort of one sort of example obviously I have been aware of that but even just hearing the explanation of why it sort of matters that makes a real difference I was probably just wasn't I was a bit unsure about what it meant and what it matters so being really clear about those allyship steps I think is something that would help me approach it a little bit and Luke as you just said the willingness to get things wrong I think knowing that People who've thought about this a lot and have a lot of insight into this also are willing and get things wrong. It's actually quite encouraging for people who feel they're earlier than you on their journey. I guess the other the final thing, I guess, for me is getting it out there and having lots of conversations is great, I think, because it starts to normalize it. Having things like, I know for LCP, we have videos that people record. I think that's quite a good way for people that are really quite early on their journey to watch a video where someone explains a specific concept to because then in a conversation they can say oh I watched that video and it got me thinking and it's just a really natural way for them to bring up the topic without going to you and saying I want to learn about this topic that's quite difficult which is not very comfortable for many people to do. So one of the areas that which maybe is an example of a specific idea that people could be sort of trained on is unconscious bias and clearly unconscious bias exists in all manner of things but do you guys have any specific experiences or examples of unconscious bias, how it sort of comes about and what to look out for? For me, it's about language and it's really the small thing. So respecting the language people use. So, for example, when if I'm having a conversation with you and I say, oh, I did this at the weekend with my partner, that's neutral. So respect that neutrality and come back with, oh, great. If you're going off say, oh, what does your partner do? Then that's perfect what I often get is what does he do and I either I have a choice of going along with it which is fine I don't really mind or I have to correct them and it's not about 
correcting them and that being difficult I just feel a bit embarrassed that I've turned what was a very basic conversation into a thing that didn't need to be a thing if I've chose not to say I did this with my wife I've not used wife for a reason and that's probably because I didn't necessarily feel comfortable saying it so I think for allies it's yeah respect that gender neutral language and if you don't really know how to speak in a gender neutral way just talk as if you're talking about a group so using they them terms like partner I know some people feel a bit awkward about partner because it seems to be like quite an old term but don't specify wife husband if it's not clear I think unconscious bias is an interesting one because I think it's very much a two-way street and I certainly know that I think in terms of the particularly the LGB part of LGBT plus it's quite easy in a situation for us to come across as heterosexual to not have to give away our sexual orientation and I think that I actually bring quite a lot of unconscious bias to my interactions with other people. I know that depending on who I'm in a room with, I will say partner and keep very quiet if someone says she. <laughs> and then there are other people who I'll talk with and I'll be more upfront. And um, this sort of idea of unconscious bias, actually the thing that's made me do the most is reflect on what I do, because I think I bring a lot of unconscious bias into rooms in that conversation in exactly the same way. So I think it's really just about both sides <laughs> working on those unconscious biases. The language thing, I mean, I suppose it's, in some ways it's a small thing, but it's a big thing, obviously, because like you say, it creates this whole weird dynamic behind the conversation. I suppose you're saying like, well, should I say, do I want to say, do I feel comfortable saying, I don't want to turn it into a thing, but now it's a thing because we're often down this weird path and now it feels like I've lied to them. And But the alternative is that you're constantly sort of lying and living a slightly different thing. So I suppose I can start to understand why that just puts this constant sort of low-level pressure on to people in that situation. It makes it very difficult. Absolutely. So that's been such a fantastic conversation. Thank you both so much for joining us and for being so open with your thoughts and your feelings. As we start to wrap up, what one thing do you want listeners to take away? Maybe Jess, you go first. I guess for the allies, don't be afraid to get things wrong. We're all getting it wrong and it really is a journey. I know that phrase gets put around a lot but we're all taking no it doesn't does it surely not (laughs) (laughs) we're taking step forward but sometimes you end up taking a step backwards and that's okay I think to the LGBT plus folks you belong in the industry there are others like you if you're not comfortable coming out in your firm then that's fine but if you want a network look out for the likes of open LGBT great and others to find your community fantastic and Luke I'm going to go back to pronouns in email signatures. <laughs> really done a full 180 on this. So <laughs> doesn't hurt you. And I guarantee that it will make someone's day. Fantastic. And actually really, really nice to have heard that you've been through that sort of, I'm going to use the word again, sorry, journey. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get things wrong all the time, as Jess well knows. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we've all done that today to someone. Absolutely. In saying something that's that not quite right. So please accept that we are getting things wrong as well, but we are hopefully trying at least. Cool. And we always love to ask our guests about a recommendation. So we're particularly interested to hear any suggestions you've got for our listeners who might perhaps want to move themselves along their journey on this understanding a little bit. 
I recently just finished reading Glam Rue's memoir um, called Life as a Unicorn. It has absolutely nothing to do with investing, but it's <laughs> a little bit on quantum physics. So there's a little bit of technical content in there. But it talks about Amru's life growing up queer in a conservative Iraqi Muslim family. And it's one of the most powerful things I've ever read about them. Incredible. I'll definitely check that out. Thank you. Any other recommendations from either of you? I guess if podcasts are what you prefer and we've talked a little bit about non-binary today and you're finding non-binary entirely confusing, the BBC did a really good podcast called My Non-Binary Life. I think I've actually come across that. So I'll remind myself where I saw that reference and check it out. And that's Thank going you. straight on my list to do <laughs> after this. Brilliant. Luke, did you have anything you wanted to share on that or should we just wrap the whole thing up there? No, I think yes. Is- Luke just runs. so you know what i've been listening to most the virgin radio breakfast show it's great it's a recommendation from a fellow lcp partner would 100 percent recommend it every morning starts your day off right (laughs) nice i like it (laughs) run with that brilliant okay well luke jess it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation thank you so much for your time thanks though thanks very much thanks for joining That's all we've got time for this week on Investment Uncut, but do join us again next week for another episode. Take care. Our podcast is for information and marketing purposes only and does not constitute any form of investment or financial advice. For more information, please refer to our marketing privacy policy on the LCP website.